1: Sean, mailbag. You ready? We're gonna let's do this, man. It. Let's We're get it. Do the thing. We're gonna do 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 the thing. All right, let's go, let's go. All right, Sean. I know we've we've seen both these players. So great first question for Brandon Pledzner to our conversation on Alex Tatch earlier. What linebacker positions do you see? New Notre Dame targets. Alex Tatch, he's the linebacker out of Pennsylvania. These are both 2025 kids, by the way. And Antoine DeLaurier playing at the next level. So where do we see Tatch playing? Where do we see Delorier playing? For me, Sean, I think we talked about with Tatch specifically and tell me if you see him any differently. I think he could start as a rover, but I think long-term, he's probably a will on the next level because he has a frame to add a lot of weight.
2: I agree with that. I agree with that.
1: Antoine Delorier, do you see him playing anything other than Mike? Like, I kind of think he can play Will, but like, I don't want him to play Will. I want him to be a downhill bumper playing Mike linebacker
2: I think he can I think he has enough flexibility to play both positions but you know eventually middle is where I think he ends up in landing and having his best efforts if he comes in on the game and then you it, know did, I mean? it depends yeah. upon because he can play he can play a three-man front or a four-man front like right yeah. so if he's in three-man front, he's definitely going to be an inside linebacker. But yes. if you put him in the four-man front, he's he's good enough and talented enough to either play the wheel or the middle. What what makes him such an interesting player is, like,
1: he moves well. I mean, one, he's got really good speed for the position. But also, he's got a pretty good feeling pass coverage, too, Sean. Like, he's not as stiff, you know, playing no. middle. You know, like, he can move. No. I personally want him in the middle, though, because my guy – is a wrecker <laughs> on the inside, man. He breaks his pads with them all the time. I want him being the Mike linebacker and getting downhill and absolutely dismantling people. Personally, but yeah, just I agree. Perspective, and and Brandon, I would be surprised if Notre Dame saw it much different with Antoine because, yeah, he's just a super physical dude. I want him at Mike linebacker, and then the great thing about Alex Tatch is he has a little bit of versatility to play a couple. I here's a claim, Sean. He's only 210 pounds. I want to hear if you agree or disagree with this. Although Alex Tatch is only 210 pounds. If he gets to like 235, though, I could see him being a playmaking Mike in today's. Like, why, why couldn't he? I don't know. Just my thoughts. Would you want to put that much weight on him, though? He's pretty long. So I wouldn't be surprised if he could get to 235 comfortably. I mean, like. I, I do. I really think his body's like Pete Werner. I, I, I really do. And Pete Werner ended up being like 240 pounds when he was at Ohio State. That's like, true. That's true. You know, and he still moved really well. And by the end, Pete Werner was playing a lot of Mike. Like he played a little bit between Mike and Will. Unfortunately, they had um tough Borland at that point. <laughs> the only spot tough Borland could play was Mike linebacker. Like mm-hmm. he could not play Will at all. So I, I think if there was a different situation. He may have played a little bit more Mike than he did at Ohio State, but I certainly think he had. I mean, he's, he plays Mike linebacker today in with the New Orleans Saints. He's the Mike, and because people don't know this, people see Demario Davis and are like, dude, "That dude was a monster, right? Like physical as heck." Demario Davis is actually the Will in the Saints defense. Pete Warner's the Mike. Pete Warner is the Mike, and Davis plays a little bit more in pursuits. So, yeah, I would love that though. As far as if Notre Dame got those two players to go with psyche, I'd be happy, folks. Like, I would be super I, I thought this was a funny comment from Salty Virginia Peanuts. Sean just said, Ryan, you've said that if things end soon, the Irish are in a very good position with O street Bags. Things end next Thursday. Do you think he's Irish? Salty, if, if I have to explain this to you at this point on your question, and I know it's a playful question, then then I I don't know how else I could I could spell it out any differently than where I am, where I'm coming from here, right? I know it's obviously a little bit of a joke, but yes, it's funny, Sean. I actually did a post on Owen. It, he was a part of a, a, a conversation on the board or it was on a, it was in an article. I can't, I can't remember, but I, I basically said like, you know, if things end soon, you love where Notre Dame is. And then he, but that was before he had completely narrowed it down as far as like when his decision date was coming and all that type of stuff. So yeah, Salty, I think Notre was in a great position to eventually close that one out on Thursday. We had another one. Well, actually, wait, let's go to somebody else first and we'll come back to Salty. RJ Gerving says, "Mailbag, should the portal have a developmental fee whereby the receiving team must pay the sending team for each year they were on sending team roster to defray costs, etc." Wow. That's what awesome. costs. I, I think they're saying that a team, so if a team is taking a rec- a transfer portal player, Let's say they were a three year let's let's do a hypothetical. Let's say a player is going from Ohio State to Michigan. That would never happen. but let's say well, I guess never, but if a team's going from Ohio State to Michigan, Michigan would have to pay a fee dependent upon how many years he was at Ohio State. I guess it's trying to cut down on guys transferring as often or teams taking as many no. players. I, I, that's kind of how I see the question being no. thrown. I,
2: I let me answer this one first. no. I have no empathy for schools in this situation that have taken advantage of players for years. No, yeah, no. I have no empathy for schools losing players. Now, if you want to come up with something for non-power five schools, you know that get raided every year. I still would say no, right? Because the power five schools then go and raid. You know, it's a it's a downward flow. They go raid <laughs> the rosters below yeah. them and ultimately the high school kids end up getting hurt because there's not enough scholarships or not as many as it, it used to be. So
1: someone said in the chat, "Sean, this is basically what it is. It's basically a buyout for players, right? It's almost because the tough part is like you need contracts then if we're talking buyouts, right?
2: See, like you need uh, That's the fault of the NCAA.
1: Yeah.
2: Scholarships are one-year renewable contracts. That's your fault. You didn't want to you didn't want to commit to four year contracts. So you empowered schools to be able to move on from players whenever they saw fit. And it wasn't a problem. Yeah. So now the players have the opportunity to move on and take advantage of NIL or greener pastures or things of that nature. No, no, no. I mean, it, it is what it is. No, does Notre Dame really need to receive compensation for the kids that have transferred? The the only part that I have empathy for, Sean, is that – so
1: there are some schools that are get, being raided by the transfer. Absolutely. School. Absolutely. So like a lower level – like let's say a, a G5 team. Let's say James Madison, for instance. like Let's just say a James Madison. remember You remember Antoine Wells that transferred up to South Carolina, Juice Wells, and he's been yeah. the best receiver. I think he's back – is he – he's still – I think he transferred somewhere, but regardless. Guy yeah. goes from James Madison to South Carolina, for instance, right? Antoine Wells is there for three plus years. James Madison's the one that developed him. He wasn't a big name coming out of high school. And then they get raided. I guess in that scenario, is it fair to ask for like, hey, South Carolina, you got to give something back to James Madison there, man, because you basically just raided
2: them improperly of getting one of their best receivers.
1: Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. It's just talking out loud. That's
2: why I said, I mean, if you want to talk about a situation like that, where a power five school rates a non-power five school, then you know, but there's a trickle-down effect. Should James Madison then pay compensation to the school that they raid to fill their roster? Yeah. It, it is. It's a, it's, it's a
1: messy slope, isn't it? It's, it's a, a very it really, messy
2: slope. <laughs> it's really a messy slope. It really is. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I see the con- – it's a great conversation in the chat. It really has nothing to do with, Yo, know, there is no such thing as a four-year scholarship with the – It's a one-year renewable scholarship. Schools can tell you you need to find somewhere else to go, which they have done, period. So, no, you're not getting any empathy from me, right? Because now it's only fair that the school and the players have equal rights to say, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere where I can take advantage of the opportunity in the classroom and on the field. Yeah. And that's it, man. It is, it's tough, right? Life is it fair. Is and at the same time, it's unfair. And it is a fair, unfair situation. The thing you pointed out with James Madison is in South Carolina would yep. be something. But the NCAA doesn't want to come to the table. Ryan, they don't. They don't, they don't want to. You're they right. want chaos. So everything can go back to the way it used to be. Instead of just coming to the table and say, yo, let's figure this out. And make this profitable and beneficial for everyone involved the best we sure. can. They don't want that. Yep. They don't want that. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's it is a fascinating conversation though. And I actually I like where RJ's at least like he's thinking right, which is a great thing. And I he's saying that obviously he's there. Yes, he's trying. He's trying. He's trying try to. He's trying to look out for the little guy that's getting mm-hmm. poached. Is basically what he's looking for, right? It's just going to be so hard to find those restrictions that are proper, that are fair. Right Mm -hmm. in the end, I just, yeah, it's going to be a lot. It's and until the NCAA actually makes precautionary measures to actually help people, then uh, we're just kind of screaming into, screaming out a cloud, right? Screaming into a cloud, whatever the heck that reference is. Like you're just, yeah, nothing's going to
2: happen. Now I will say this: one way they could do that is by giving them a bigger cut. Yeah. Yeah. Give a bigger percentage since you, raid, since you raid their rosters every year. When they come play you, when a non-Power 5 school comes to play you, they should get a bigger cut of the game. Yep. Now, that's fair. Sure. Uh, say like an NIL tax on every ticket. Or name it however you want to name it. Right? Yeah. But this is what's being set aside to help out the schools who get rated every year? Yeah. Sure. You want to you want to attach that to ticket prices?
1: Ah oh, man, that's such an interesting conversation. But unfortunately, we don't have the answers to it, man. I'm not <laughs> sure we'll ever have the answers to it. Like I'm not sure we'll ever get a clarif- clar- clarity on it. But i will see. We had we had a super chat here, Sean. And if anybody wants to throw in a super chat, those go to the front of the line just in case you haven't been here before. Tyler Evans with the super chat. Thank you so much, Tyler. Give me your top three players that w- that will bust going into the nfl Mm -hmm. draft so top three nfl draft prospects that are going to bust that's a really interesting question um i don't like predicting bust (laughs) them for for nfl draft prospects but three players that i'm weary of is how i will phrase this one a little better sean three players i'm weary of compared to where they're being projected in the draft right now okay so this is compared to where the. Cause that, that's what, that's, that's really what bus happens with, right? Guys that yeah. ended up getting overdrafted that you look back and say, you know, they, they were probably just valued a little bit too heavily. And then they end up not being, you know, not end up being in a, in a good situation to be successful. So for me, three guys, one Adonai Mitchell wide receiver hmm. who began his career at Georgia, ended up with Texas, Sean. I am terrified of Adonai Mitchell. They call him AD. AD Mitchell. He's 6'4". He can run. He's got pretty good explosiveness in and out of breaks. Sean, I see the potential. I see it. But I'm here to tell you that AD Mitchell's probably going to go in the first round, and that would make me very scared because I I think that he's kind of a one-trick pony as a football player right now. And I... I'm curious to see how the development happens because for all the talent that he has shown a single game in his entire career, he had over hundred yards receiving one single game. And I'm pretty sure only had two games that he went over 75 yards receiving at some point, You gotta be productive, man. Mm-hmm. Why is this six, four kid? That's probably going to run in the four, four low, probably run like four four two four four three? That was at Georgia and at Texas. Why is this kid not productive? Like I I'm confused. I'm confused about it. So he's won. Second one would be Patrick Paul out of Houston. I think he's going to go early second round six foot seven, 330 pounds. My guy is stiff as a board and can't redirect as an offensive tackle. I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> I don't need that, sir. I'm sorry. It's just not just not my guy. Just not it the third man i don't know if i ever really have a good third one um let me think a quarterback's gonna bust i know probably i'm not even looking at the chat i'm assuming caleb williams name has been thrown out there like six times i'm assuming probably in the chat but i need to open it back up because i don't know if it actually has or not i'm sure someone has said caleb williams though no, no one has said kill Williams. Wow, no, 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 I no, thought no, no. I thought I thought that no, was no. gonna be like a, an answer for everyone in the chat. Maybe yeah.
2: maybe people are kind of being objective now. <laughs> like yeah. maybe,
1: maybe. Yeah, you yeah, were on maybe. our
2: show the other day, and we we're talking about being objective and evaluating the quarterback position and how difficult it is. it's it's yeah, you know, I, I think. Jaden Daniels could be one that's, you know, coming off the Heisman and, you know, rising and mock drafts. I think people might feel like, but at the quarterback position, man, it's all about where you go as much as it is the talent and the situation. That is the danger for me. For me, that's the danger of the whole Bears thing. Yep. It's not the fact that I don't believe in Caleb's talent. It's like, yo, this is a bad organization, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's not a good situation. So sure, that within itself, I think someone through Bo Nix, I think Bo Nix is who he is. Bo Nix is a very, yeah. if you give him a run game and let him play action, he's gonna be accurate. He's gonna hit the check yeah. downs. He, he oh, I got is one. He is. I got one.
1: You want my quarterback pick, Sean? My actual what? quarterback pick, Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. I, I can see pick.
2: that. I can see that. But once again, where does he go? Yeah, where he can sit,
1: right? He's he's going to be a very volatile player as well because a lot of people are projecting him in the first rounds, but I'm waiting to see the medicals in Indianapolis because he's had a lot of injuries, man. A whole lot of injuries. So if he ends up going in the second or third round, I wouldn't say he's a bust, right? Because like second, third round quarterbacks are a gamble anyway. But if he goes top 20 then we can be talking because there are some things about michael pennix i really like i think he's tough in the pocket i think accuracy outside the numbers and just general arm strength outside numbers is really good like I, ball comes out easy spins mm-hmm. it but accuracy ball placement to the middle of the field Looks
2: that good. worries
1: me a lot man because sean if there's one place where you do not want to be inaccurate it's to the middle of the field, sir, where there is a whole lot of people <laughs> sitting there trying to create turnovers. That's not right. the place you want to have bad balls. You ball don't want you don't field. want to miss
2: high over the middle. You don't want to be late over the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. It is. Yep. It's it's tough. It's yep. tough. It's tough.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he lot of lot. He put out a right great
2: tweet. Yeah, that tweet you put out yesterday, don't fall in love with a week of practice. Okay, I was gonna say, Sean, I
1: I, I put a lot of great tweets out, man, so I'm just making sure (laughs) which one you're talking
2: about. about, Oh, JD Bertrand was the fastest, you know, 40 out of all the linebackers, and I just kind of rolled my eyes like, all right, you, you know, when he hit that, right, Sean.
1: I don't even know this for a fact, but I guarantee I know it. It was when he got beat on a wheel route by Marshawn Lloyd. He was in, it reco- was in just flat out sprint recovery mode the entire time. Like I don't care about that, man. I don't care about that at all. So yeah, I don't care about that. That's the like, type of
2: stuff, man. That's the best talent evaluators do their due diligence. Yeah, with all of the data, they don't just fall in love with one part of the data. No, nah. you yeah. do the work
1: yeah it's gonna be interesting man i am excited though you need to come out to indianapolis sean indy's not that far from you is it
2: dude if i can hey you got hey you got a credential for me
1: i can get a credential for you sir i'm there i'm there that's a quick drive all right man yeah come out to indy man i'm gonna be there from the 27th to the 4th so yeah. yeah man let's do that let's do that I have got an Airbnb uh all set situated, man. So
2: yeah, oh, let's come on out. You come went big out. time. You Airbnb in it. I actually have family in the in the nap. So okay. Yeah, okay. I would be good in the nap, dude. I'd love Indianapolis, by the way. I love Indy
1: because yeah. everything's so close, right? Yeah. Like you can get to any bar, any restaurant, to the convention center. It's a walk, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So let's go now. Let's go now to and thank you so much for the super chat again, Tyler. Great question, and we're going to move now to salty Virginia peanuts had another one. Sean he said Notre Dame from how do you say coach? Is it Lindau? Lendo 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 Lendo? I need to change my process here from Lendo. Yeah. Yep, Lendo to Mike Denbrock to Al Golden to Chad Bowden has been putting its money where Freeman's mouth is. This is very recent change. How much if, is Pete uh, Bavakwa? I believe that's how you pronounce that last name, right? Is that get that one? Did you get yeah, that one? This one? plays right.
2: right into our conversation today that we were talking pre-show.
1: Spin it, man. Spin it, like, John.
2: How it. much how much credit is Jack Swarbrick going to get moving forward, even when he leaves office? And how when is the what's the line of demarcation for okay, this is Pete Bavakwa's? football program in his era and yo, is it going to be two years it's going to be three years from now and as of right now it's still Jack Swarbrick is still very much heavily involved still much heavily involved you know I think there have been on to me I think Jack part of the reason Jack is stepping away because he knows certain things that need to be done and what needs to be done might not necessarily be something that he thinks he's the best person to do or that he necessarily agrees with, per se, right? He he said he wanted to be a good steward financially. It's hard to keep the best coaches and the best staff and really be effective at NIL if you, you keep that monitor. Now, good stewardship could be, spending your money wisely or spending it on the right person. Right. Some people might feel like Sam Hartman was bad spending. Some people might feel that way. That's, that's up for debate, right? Uh, Some people might feel like you didn't spend in last year's offensive coordinator search and it hurt you and it impacted Sam Hartman, which impacted the team. So these are the things that I think Salty's talking about and yeah. the dominoes have been falling positively yes. Orlando then Brock Golden, you know even Mike Mickens who teams yep. have been coming after um, yep. all these things all these things have been lining up to make you feel like Notre Dame is finally choosing winning right not just talking about the history of winning but actually choosing the path to winning now yep. so I think there's enough credit to go around I think
1: it always. I don't think it comes as it's. I don't think it rarely ever is as simple as one guy getting all the credit, right? Mm-hmm. I think that even just for this situation, Salty's talking about the financial backing and support that has been this off season, just in particular. I think Jack Swarbrick has to get some credit for that, right? Because I, I think his hand may have been forced a little bit with the Andy Ludwig situation. Like I think that that pushed you in this direction where you couldn't be embarrassed again, right? Like you couldn't Mm -hmm. have put a bad, uh, bad eye on the Notre Dame program for the second straight off season. But also I think, you know, Bavakwa is also a part of this conversation, right? Like I, I think that this is a merging of realities right now, Sean, because I'll be honest with you. If the Chad Bowden thing happened last off season, I would have no confidence that Notre Dame was going to figure it out and get it done. Zero, zero. But this off season, when the first thing came out and Brian reported it on the board and everything, not for one minute. And this is complete honesty, not for one minute did I think that Notre Dame wasn't going to match and make sure that that didn't happen. Not for one minute. I didn't have a single doubt that Chad Bowen would be back. Zero, mm-hmm. zero doubt. I, like, I know some people in the beat and like they're doing their due diligence. I'm sure that some people in the beat are probably reaching out to multiple sources and Michigan people and all this type of stuff. I didn't even reach out to anyone. Cause I'm just like, he's not going to Michigan. It's not, I just don't believe it. Just don't believe it because I think that you feel better about where the program is right now. They are willing to put that money up, man. Put their money where their mouth is. I think it's a great thing right now. You spent big to get who you perceive to be maybe the best offensive coordinator in college football. You went big and hired a prominent name as a strength and conditioning coach, and you made sure that your dynamic director of recruiting who's going to have a different title moving forward did not go to Michigan, the defending national champs. You did that in one offseason, man. Tell me that doesn't matter. Tell me that doesn't mean something. That means something. You mentioned Mike Mickens, making sure that he's not going anywhere. Notre Dame's putting their money where their mouth is this offseason, which is why I feel better about the trajectory of this program than I probably ever have in my adult life. I can't remember a time where I felt as good because not only do I see the talent coming in, not only do I see coaches coming in, I also see backing. I see guys saying, well, we got you, man. We got yeah. you. We yeah. got you, Marcus. Go do what you got to do, man. It's, it's a great change, isn't it? It's such a great change. Cause for the first time in a long time, I feel like Notre Dame is ready to stand tall and stand firm on a full level against anybody. Yeah, they're they're willing to recruit against anybody. They're willing to throw money around against anybody from a financial backing perspective. And you have a young, energetic, coach that I think is a great. He's a great role model and a great. He's a great symbol of your program potentially. So, hey man, I'm in on the future. I'm in. I think that it is. Yeah.
2: This reminds me, to better explain, uh, Yes, from my standpoint, my mom is a very unorthodox mom in the sense of your typical mother. Because most mothers are loving and nurturing. That's just not saying my yep. mother doesn't have nurturing factors, but my mom is not the kiss you. She's not that, right? right? She didn't come from a family background with that. On the other hand, my dad is very much still to this day, like kisses boys, love on his boys. And we're all adults, bro, he's that's, but that's what his dad and his grandfather did to him. And so my mom, one of the ways that she shows her love is in giving, she's a giver. She loves buying gifts, but she will not, she'll spend money Mm -hmm. on gifts, but she will not spend money on shoes. She refuses. She's, like, I'm not, I since we were kids, I'm not paying $100 for some shoes. And now it's up to upwards of those same shoes are upwards of two, $300. Like, I'm not buying you that. But she's a giver. And I think that's Jack Swarbrick in a sense. Because I think people think Jack Swarbrick has not spent during his time in Notre Dame. And that's not true. Right. He has raised money, he has spent money. Yeah. It's just yeah. certain areas that he's refused for whatever reason to say, I'm no, I'm not jumping feet first into the NIL landscape. Right. Because I see right now it's a mess. I'm not about to subject us to that right now. You know, and that goes back to his good stewardship. It's like certain things he's just unwilling or he doesn't feel comfortable spending that amount of money on that. Right. Even now, things are good. Dude, I've talked to people connected to the program. Uh, I've heard that there's been big money already raised to build and add on to the facilities whether it's the Google or other things that are going to help the football program but that's Jack Swarbrick even when he steps out of office that's going to impact recruiting his decision and his legacy are still going to help Notre Dame win games that's him so you can't you have to give him credit man you have to give him credit you just have to give him credit for what he's done and even if he did mess up and maybe he feels like, yo, maybe he felt like, yo, that's a lot of buyout for a guy that hasn't won a national championship. You don't know what his mind was when it came to the Andy Lutwig situation. But there was something there that made him feel like, man, do we really want to spend this money, much money just on the buyout before we get to the right. salary? Right, right. And that's his right. As fans, we might feel like, you got it, spend it. Well, sure. unfortunately... He's in charge of making sure that they do the best by the money that they have. And he, maybe he felt like that wasn't the right hire and it turned into Mike Denbrock. So you have to ask yourself, ladies and gentlemen, would you rather have Andy Ludwig or would you rather have Mike Denbrock right now? You know, and he yep. saved money yes. on the deal. I'd rather, I'd rather have day, Mike
1: Denbrock right now. Yes. I'd rather have Mike Denbrock right now. I would agree with and that. You know
2: what else? He saved Notre Dame money on the deal and i guarantee you he's getting kudos from the board board members for that that i mean it just is what it is so moving forward you know there are a lot of things that are going to happen moving forward that even when jack is not here he's yo he's still going to deserve some level of credit for it, especially when it comes to money yeah
1: I think, I think it clouds our vision sometimes, Sean, right? Like the, the, the Andy Ludwig situation, I think for a lot of people just makes everyone just sour on Jack Swarbrick and what he did at Notre Mm. Dame. He did a lot of great things. Did he make some mistakes? Did he do a couple things that we wish would have been different? Of course, but that's every person ever. Has there ever been a person in the world that made a decision that everyone agreed with all the time? Like that's never been a thing, right? It's never been a thing. So yeah. There could have been some things different, maybe maybe a couple of different decisions, but for the most part, Jack Schwab did a lot of really good things for
2: Notre exactly. Dame. And Jack has the wherewithal and the talent being as one of the main gatekeepers that sits at the table of college football of being able to know and play the long game for Notre Dame as an independent. Like, I have to do what's best to make sure that Notre Dame stays in a position of power moving forward and certain decisions that he has to make might not be that appeasing to the fan base, to people that cover the team, to some people that even work within the university, but it's Mm -hmm. his job to make those tough decisions and he's made them. Yeah. He's made them, you know, so coming out of that, we talked about it consistently coming out of that debacle. This yeah. time last year. And, like, and, and yo, the
1: email he sent, right? The email of yeah. the misguided passion and all that type of yeah, stuff. We, yeah, I get it, man. We I talked
2: get it. About it. Fans talked about it. Like, you have yeah. to give your players and your coaches a chance. Yeah, You can't – this can't happen again. So I don't think he – I don't think he needed Pete vocal coming out of that situation to understand, like, yo, I can't let this happen again. I don't need yep. another email – Good stewardship speech. I don't have enough one in me. A- a- yeah. Asking
1: for the money at the end of the email, and yeah, yeah, we don't. Oh do man,
0: we don't do that. We don't
1: need that again. I agree.
0: <laughs> I hundred percent agree.
1: Oh man, yep. Great question though, salty as always, sir. We had a quick one. Sean Kevin Park said any word on Al Golden staying or uh, going or staying? So as of right now, sounds like he's going to stay, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the rest of the hiring cycle and the good thing is is that the NFL jobs, Sean, are they're Hmm. filling up very quickly here. So there's Mm -hmm. not a ton of spots left there. College jobs, I I don't know if that is a avenue that Al Golden would even consider, depending on what job comes open or what job is currently open. But uh, trending in the right direction. That Al Golden be back in 2024. We'll obviously see how everything goes. But yeah, seems like you're in a good spot there. All right, Sean. Here's an interesting question. Brandon Plesner wants our opinion. Has your linebacker board changed in priority now with the new offers? Well, Brandon, I would say this. We try to project who we know is a priority player for Notre Dame more than anything. Mm. But I'll ask you this, Sean. And we talked about this a little bit. With Mr. Tatch now being offered, with Antoine Delorier being offered last offseason, has your formula for what a good linebacker class changed in 2025 at all? I think we ask it that way
2: no top guys instead of top guys you okay. still want a Christian Jones in the class like you're darn right if you can get Christian Jones in the class go get him you're darn right and if some other other guys that we watched recently get offers has to take a step back or has to wait to see how that recruitment goes because at some point there's going to be a time when Notre Dame has to be honest with themselves and say okay If going into the summer, is going into the summer with this young man worth the possibility of losing out on this young man? Like, where do we evaluate them? Like, are they even or is it close? Because if it's close, I might be willing to take this kid that's ready now than to fight for this kid that might be a little bit better. Or if we think he's that much better, then, yo, that's worth, this kid is worth going after. At right. this position. And I think that's pretty much across the board at all positions. And definitely this year and linebacker. It goes back to what we said. This is a year where with the new wide receiver offers and the new linebacker offers, we're not mad. Like, if these are the two kids that end up in the class, okay, let's go. If we end up with DeLaurier and Tatch, let's roll. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that.
1: I'd be very happy. <laughs> I I think it hasn't changed my formula much, Brandon. Like I said, I would be happy if both those guys end up in the class, or one or you know one of them ends up in the class. But I still mm-hmm. want to go after Marco Jones, baby. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. Noah McHale, Christian Jones. I, and we'll see what the, it looks like in the end. But it shouldn't change their priority. They should be recruiting a bunch of different guys to get their best possible class pitched yeah. in there. So, and we'll see, obviously, as well because. We know Antoine Laurier is setting up a visit to Notre Dame. We know that Mr. Tatch uh, is also setting up a visit to Notre Dame. So we'll see how things trend after those visits when they finally get to campus. So apparently, Carl, we- Carl Weathers died, Sean, which is a very
2: sad thing. Yeah, I saw very that sad. in the chat. Yeah. That's wild, man. It was a, a lot his of great roles growing up, man. His performance with James Brown in Rocky was absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, incredible incredible
2: living Living
1: in america America. oh yeah hey man you forget i'm from i'm I'm right outside of philly man i I I know know, uh every every scene from rocky baby (laughs) all right let's go all right so we had a question here sean Uh, nh said who notre dame players only raised their draft stock the most at the senior bowl anyone lower it? it's a great question i would say first thing foremost nh lowering draft stock is more of a media thing. Okay. It's a little bit more of a media thing. The senior bowl, East West shrine, hula bowl, college ground showcase, tropical bowl. There's a million bowls at this point. All-star games, a million, even after the NFLPA bowl shut down this year, they are for verification. Okay. From NFL scouts, either you're going to go there and it's going to verify your thoughts on a player. It's exactly what I thought he was going to look like. Done. Process is over. I know I know what that type of player is as far as the evaluation on the field. Or, Sean, they're going to look at him and be like, man, I thought that kid was really fast on film, and then he is struggling to separate this week. Like, what's going on there? Where's the, where's the second gear I thought he had as a wide receiver? That's a red flag to go watch film. Right? Go back and watch the film again. Maybe there's something you missed there. Mm-hmm. So guys rarely ever raise or lower their stock out of these events. It's more a red flag or a check mark, if that make, I hope that makes sense. That's more of what this process is. Mm-hmm. Now, who impressed in the Senior Bowl and I think helped their case to get a check mark is the better way to put phrase it, phrasing in my opinion. Couple guys. One, Cam Hart. Cam Hart was the best player in Mobile of any Notre Dame player, in my opinion start to finish on there was one rep day one where he got lost a little bit down the field and didn't locate a deeper ball against Javon Baker, the wide receiver out of UCF. But otherwise Cam was really good in Indy man. I mean, in uh, Mm -hmm. mobile, excuse me. He was really good down there at the senior bowl, really physical at the line of scrimmage, physical in the stem show. Good, good, pretty good short area quickness for almost near six foot three corner he undercut a couple passes. He had an interception in, in one of the one-on-one drills. He looks really good. I think he helped himself this week. I think that he helped himself. I also think that Marist Loifel helped himself, Sean. I think that Marist did really well this week. Uh, there was a, I, I mentioned this. I was talking to a scout that had comped him to um, – I don't know how much you've seen this guy, but Frankie Louvu that plays for the Carolina Panthers, who's a really mm-hmm. good kind of just like Swiss Army knife type linebacker, plays all yeah. over the place. That was the comp I got there. I think that Maris helped himself tremendously. JD, I thought, kind of just was what he was, which is fine. You know, like he's a very smart player. I think that he has a little bit of struggles in pass coverage, which is something that we probably anticipated after watching him at Notre Dame. Sam Hartman, I think, helped himself. I thought Sam played pretty well. The only person I would say maybe hurt themselves a little bit in the sense of maybe didn't quite showcase what you wanted him to see from the weak perspective I think Javante Jean-Baptiste struggled in Indy. I mean, in Mobile. I didn't, I didn't think he looked great. He kind of got lost a little bit against some of the longer offensive linemen. He struggled to get off of blocks consistently. I don't think he had a great showing, but otherwise I think Notre Dame just in general, I, I think they helped themselves in Mobile. I think that they had a lot of good showings this week, this week. Cam yeah, Hart, though, I think was Cam, the best one. Look, I'm
2: I'm praying that he gets to go back home and gets to work, play with uh, Kyle Hamilton again. I really am. I'm praying that the Ravens draft Cam Hart. Let him play with one of his best friends. Uh, He he spoke about, he was asked about, you know, what is it about your game that's allowed you to grow and evolve? Because it seems like, yo, you were really good against all the different types of wide receivers this week. And he was like, Mike Mickens, man. It's Mike Mickens. He gave all the credit to Mike Mickens and his development. Look, I've said this before. Well, Mike Cam Hart used to take a beating from Notre Dame fans. A beating. And I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, this man plays at 75 80%. He shouldn't probably even be on the field. You know why he's out there? Because there's no one else behind him. There's Cam Hart and then the drop office. And it's, no re- it's a reason why you saw him get a little Nick injury and Mike Mickens was like, go sit down. <laughs> right. You know why he told him to go sit down? Because he had Christian Gray and Jaden Mickens. If people knew the number of games that Cam Hart played at Notre Dame guarding the number one receiver on another Injury. team injured oh. at 75, 80 yeah. percent, your appreciation for Cam yeah. Hart would be totally different. You want to go see Cam Hart at 100 percent? Watch him this year. You want to see Cam Hart at 100 percent? Go watch that Wisconsin game at Soldier Field. That's Cam Hart at 100 percent. And Agreed. You know, we try to be transparent and let people know. Like, yo, this dude is a warrior, man. It's all about and going to the next level is going to be about his health. Yes, If he stays healthy, he's going to be, he's going to be good.
1: I, Sean, that is the remaining hurdle that needs to be checked, and the one mm-hmm. that I was most concerned about. I thought, I thought Cam was going to have a good weekend, Senior Bowl. He had an even better week than I thought he was that he thought he was going to have. I thought he was going to be good all week. He was fantastic for most of the week, but like you said, when he goes to Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. I expect him to test well. I expect him to look great in person. What do you? you, I asked
2: Malik this. What do you think he needs to run at his length and size?
1: Uh, For um, he can get away with a four five four five two. He can get away with that. But if he ran four four high, it would be very beneficial for him. If he ran like four, four, seven to four, four, nine, mm-hmm. that would just be like a check. You're good. Yeah. You're yeah. six, two, seven, eighths, you're two hundred and four pounds. You have 32 and 5/8 inch arms. Like mm-hmm. you're good to go here, man. So if he can run anything four, four high, fantastic. But if he runs four five to four five, two, four, five, three, it's fine. You're good. Pass. Check. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he but more than anything, because I we know Cam's going to kill the, the interviews. going to yeah. kill the interviews. I expect him yeah. to test well as well. We've heard that he's run some really good times at Notre Dame. So yeah. I expect him to test well. Expect him to interview well. Medicals. God, I hope those shoulders check out, man. I hope they check out. That's a scary proposition for a defensive player with multiple shoulder injuries.
2: Yeah.
1: Same thing with Peyton Wilson from NC State. He's had multiple shoulder injuries. Like, I hope it turns out okay. We'll, but we shall see. I, I hope for the best for Cam, though, man. Because... Yeah. Sean, we have lost this. We have lost this in today's game a little bit. Cam Hart was a warrior. Yes. Warrior, dude. Warrior. There's some players that you look at and just say, that guy would have run through a brick wall if a coach would have let him, right? Like he would have given everything he had, and he did give everything he had. Cam Hart's a warrior. Cam Hart is an absolute warrior. And I hope that he, I hope nothing but the best for that guy, man.
2: Howard
1: Cross, same way. Like there's some guys you just gravitate towards because they, do whatever it takes, man, yes. and you love him for it. you love him for it. It's fantastic. All right, let's go to Pete Weber. What's up, Pete? How much of the Chad Bow- Bowden past few days can you tell us about? Any idea of the numbers that were getting tossed around? I might have to go into recruiting. Uh, Pete, we, um, numbers, we can't put that out there. Um, I've heard the numbers, though, and it, it was substantial. We'll just leave it at that, okay? I would say that Michigan was offering not just – money, but obviously a, a different position, a, a general manager position, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit above what a director of recruiting would just typically be, you know, as far as like his responsibilities and title. So they were offering money and title. Ultimately, Notre Dame was able to to show that this was the place to be and to make it attractive enough for, for Chad Bowden to return to Notre Dame. So hats off to Notre Dame, man. That's all we can say about it. They did a great job of making sure that he's still going to be in South Bend, Indiana.
2: I said this earlier, bro. Yep. I'm thankful it was Sharon Moore making the offer instead of Jim Harbaugh. I know that.
1: Yeah. do Do you think Do you think if it was Coach Harbaugh, maybe ends a little bit differently? I I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I generally well, don't see, know that. I don't
2: know if Sharon Moore has the gravitas because you knew Notre Dame was going to have the right to count. You yes. knew that.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: I don't know if Sharon Moore has the pull to go back. Michigan and say, yo, get it done. Right, right. Jim Harbaugh coming off a national championship might have had that pull to tell Michigan, like, yo, up the offer. You know, so Harbaugh going to the NFL might have helped in this situation.
1: Definitely didn't hurt, you
2: know, Mm -hmm. like definitely
1: didn't hurt Notre Dame's favor to try to get him back. There's no doubt about that. 100 percent agree. We had Jason Smith who just asked a quick one. He said, uh, Josh Petty still being recruited by Notre Dame. Yes, Jason. They were there to see Josh Petty this week. He's a 2025 offensive tackle out of the state of Georgia. They like him a lot. And I think that he has some interest in Notre Dame, Sean. But again, until he gets to campus, it's just not a realistic target. Right? Like, it's just not a realistic target. So they'll keep mm-hmm. recruiting him. But I just don't think he's a realistic target as of today interesting one here from NH says of this year's head coach moves, hires examples, Kalen DeBoer, Jed Fish, etc. who will have the most success in their first year and in their next three years? Let's go first year, Sean. Some of the prominent new head coaches, mm. who's going to have the most success in year one at their prospective school? Mm. Uh, it's a little tough. It's a little tough.
2: I really like Jed Fish, bro.
1: I do too, man. It's just he's got to replace you a know lot what?
2: Washington. Yeah, the new, the, new, the new hire at Arizona. You know why? Yeah, because Fafita and McMillan State.
1: Yeah, and now they're and they're now they're going down to the Big Twelve, which is losing yes. Texas and Oklahoma. That's that's a good one. That's so that, a that's, good um, platform. Yeah. So that's that Brent, was, Brent 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 Brennan, Brent. Yeah. yeah, who was who was at San Jose State. I'm not solo on him as a great head coach, but I think that I actually agree with you there, Sean. That he might win 10 plus games in year one, just based upon who he has coming back. Has coming I know they back, lost yeah. like Jonah Coleman and some mm-hmm. other guys like that, but the fact that they got Fafita and the wide receiver to come back as well, like McMillan, like that's a that's that's pretty, pretty substantial. And the fact that they're going back into the big 12, that doesn't have Texas, or Oklahoma anymore. Mm-hmm. My issue would be, you know, what's funny is Arizona might be the situation. Brandon might be the situation, uh, the answer for number one for the next 3 years he would not be my answer because no. i'm not sold that he's going to be able no. to sustain that no. program you know like, what I, mean? I could
2: actually see DeBoer in alabama taking a small step back
1: yeah the, the near future and then yeah, yeah. yep and then yep.
2: you know reestablishing things i can see that
1: That that could happen, yeah. I I think so. Alabama is going to look a lot different moving forward than what they have under Nick Saban, but different isn't a bad thing necessarily. Different is just, just different. You know, it might they might have to function a little bit uniquely, which will be like that relationship with him and Jalen Milrow.
2: I'm very excited to see. Uh, It was strange to see the interaction between him and Michael Penix at the Senior Bowl. With that photo op situation, not to say you I, know, didn't, I, I, I didn't I didn't see anything. that.
1: What 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 happened there? I
2: didn't. Well, see Michael that. Penix was taking a picture with someone, and uh, Caleon DeBoer tried to jump in the picture, and Michael Penix kind of pushed him away. So you know oh. that could be for multiple reasons. That has nothing to do with their relationship because they seem to have a really good relationship. But to see what he can do with Jalen Milrow, yeah, it's going to be. Um, Very interesting. I think Jalen Milrow definitely is going to have better coaching this year than he had this past year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think – I mean, he's definitely going to be in a more uh, quarterback-friendly offense than what Tommy Mm -hmm. Reese had going. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) So, (laughs) Um, you might trust Caleb DeBoer to develop it. Even though, did you see – I don't know if this, was this official yesterday. I, mi- I missed this announcement, but Ryan Grubbs going to Seattle as their offensive coordinator. Is that what's happening?
2: In the NFL?
1: I think yeah, I think I saw that. I, I saw something I saw about that.
2: that. And then Hatley left Boston College to go be the DC. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For um the Packers, right? Be the Packers, DC.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the, man, college football has changed, man. Really has. It's changed. Like, you know, getting a job like BC. Is uh seems like a dream because you know how guys would just take jobs. I don't know if that's gonna happen. Yeah, Green Bay. So
1: it look so it looks like Ryan Grubb considering Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator job. So I guess it is not official or it hasn't been a thing that's been finalized yet. Well, we'll see though, man. That would be very interesting. You know, I, I was joking with a buddy, though, that was saying something about it yesterday, Sean. I was like, Ryan Grubb down, down to Alabama, ate some Alabama barbecue sauce. and was like, dude, I'm out of here, brother. I don't need any of that mayo-based barbecue sauce.
2: I am good, man. That's so petty. <laughs> That's so petty.
1: I, I mean, is it wrong, though? Is it wrong? I don't know. I don't know. Is it wrong? But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I, would, I wouldn't eat that stuff if you pay me. I don't even hate mayo either. Like, I have no issue with mayo and, like, aiolis and stuff. Like, I'm cool. But, like, mayo-based barbecue sauce? Nah, man. I'm good. Mm. I'm good. I don't need all that. I don't need yeah. all that. Yeah. Salty Virginia peanuts. Notre Dame coach Mike Brown offered a ninth-grade wide receiver, and that dude already has other big offers. How often does Notre Dame offer ninth-graders, and why this dude? So, of course, we're talking to the young man. Um salty you're talking about the young man that we were talking about earlier jameer brown who is out of huber heights i want to make sure i get it right huber heights wayne and yes 2027 so he's a ninth grade player he actually was offered i believe as a corner though because mickens was and marcus freeman were the ones that offered but regardless he has been offered as a wide receiver in some instances as well it doesn't happen often sean i was talking about this yesterday with someone but like Nerding doesn't offer ninth graders very often, man. Like that's a that's a rarity. That is a rare, I rare mean, thing.
2: As you said, the alma mater of both of those guys. Yeah. Relationship you know, there, obviously. Relationship yep. there. It's a special yep. situation. That's that's probably why it happened the way it happened.
1: Absolutely. All right, and we're going to the next one here. Great question, though. Great, great, great question. Jason Smith asks, and we're going to rock through a few of these more because we got to get out of here in probably like 10, 15 minutes, but we'll see. Jason Smith, was there a 2024 recruit that you had the meh feeling about? Were there any that you thought were a stretch that their senior film changed your minds? Well, Sean, I already talked about one man. Hmm. Bryce Young, when he was officially offered, I was like, dude, I don't get that one. And then I saw him as a junior and I was like, I got it a little bit more, but like I... If you would have told me that Bryce Young junior year was the Bryce Young you were getting, I would not have prioritized that player. I wouldn't have right. prioritized him. Right. Maybe you would have taken him in the right situation, whatever. But, like, Bryce Young is definitely one. That senior film was like, dude, everybody wants that kid now. Like, yes, Absolutely. great evaluation, Mr. Bryce Young.
2: That was it for me. I think we both looked at Bryce Young and were like, uh. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, yep. That DNA kind of came forth. Like,
1: yeah, because I mean I was you know? good with I mean, obviously, I was good with CJ. I was good with Aeneas, obviously. I was good with Keedron Young, obviously. Micah Gilbert, Cam Williams. The first time I saw Logan Saldate, I was like, Cool, I'm good. I'm good with Logan Saldate. Like yeah. Jack Larson, I was fine with at the time. Offensive line-wise. Yeah, nobody nobody there that I really had to, I, 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 I'll I'll all right. Here's one, Sean. Slight one. I liked Anthony Knapp when he was offered, but I wasn't mm. like sold on Anthony Knapp. Senior film definitely did something for me with Anthony Knapp personally. I can say so. I can say
2: the same thing about uh Sean Civiliano.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another one that makes Initial. sense. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I mean I, I was always good with Logan Thomas. I was always good. Let me think who else. Linebacker. I was always good with Bodie Cajun. I know some people weren't on the Bodie Kahoon thing, but Bodie I remember K- when K- they yeah. offered him, I'm like, I'd take Bodie Cajun. I'm yeah. totally good with Bodie Cajun. Totally good with that one. Yeah, so we'll see. But, I mean, this, look, Teddy Rizak is a player that still needs to prove something to me. Kenny Urlacher is still a player that needs to prove something to me. But we'll see. I mean, I, I hope they all flourish at Notre Dame. I mean, we we'll to earn any national championship in the next couple of years, man. I want them to be a big part of that solution. We Chris airs with one. who says, what is the weakest part of the Notre Dame football as you see it as of February 2nd, 2024? Could be a position room, staff placement, just curious of what IB breakdown things. Sean, um, position group, if we're going there, I think the one that I have the main question marks right now is, is, is still safety. probably safety. Yeah. yeah. Safety and Viper, those are the two ones. Like I think Viper will be fine in a year or two when Logan Thomas starts getting a little bit of weight on him and you start developing some of your young guys in the room, Bubacar Traore, but I think Viper and safety is one. Because, I mean, Sean, Like, let's face it, man. After this year, you're going to lose at safety. And this is even 2024-centric. This is just moving forward. You're going to lose Xavier Watts and Rod Hurd after this year too. Where it's like... You're going to be back to the drawing board at safety unless, you know, a Don or somebody else, like, takes a massive step this season, and you're like, okay, we'll be all right. We'll be fine. So, yeah, man, I think safety and Viper for me. I don't know if you had any other ones that you wanted to throw in, but that was was me personally. No,
2: I agree. I was going to say safety as well, but the 25 class literally could be the beginning of that remedy for that particular position.
1: Yep agreed 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 all right let's go to uh, i'm gonna knock this one out real quick Jason smith just said is the james simon situation a owen Wafel type situation where someone gets pushed out of the class or will they take three and figure it out uh jason i think it's a little bit of over recruiting I Like, ultimately, uh, it's a long shot if you would even get a James Simon just in general, right? But I think he's such a good player that Notre Dame would try to make the numbers work if it ended up being that situation. But also, I think they're over-recruiting to a degree at some positions because you never know what's going to happen, you know, from a decommitment and other factors outside, you know, maybe roster numbers or get to a certain point where you have to take another player that you really mm-hmm. like. There's just a lot of things that are going to happen there, so. I think it's a little bit of a combination of everything. I don't think it's, I don't wouldn't say it's an open wayful situation though, where I still, I think the staff is still very high on Justin Thurman and Daniel Anderson. I don't think anything's changed in their mind there. So I don't think it's a matter of someone getting pushed out of class. No, I wouldn't say that. Sean, this was a good one. Chris Ayers with another one. Who is the 2024 Notre Dame pick to click meaning of all the lowercase beasts that Notre Dame has like an Eli Raritan, who is the chats pick to click to finally show that promise on the field? So basically, breakout star, Sean, a talented kid that hasn't really shown it as much on the field yet. Who is your early breakout star for the 2024
2: season? Eli Rare uh, is by the way. Eli Rare is up. Jason Ongye will be someone because we heard about him last year. Can he take that next step and kind of be someone that can solidify behind Riley Mills and Howard Cross? Uh, The the promise we saw from Bubakar Traore in the USC game, right? Could he be a breakout star? Jaden Mickie, can he take a step forward in the slot? You know, can can he step up and live up to, you know, what we thought he was going to be when he stepped into his first practice with full confidence? Uh, And then, of course, the quarterbacks, right? Like, yo, if Kenny Minchie gets a shot, if CJ Carr gets a shot, even if it's like... Because this is the confidence of that quarterback room. Mm -hmm. Riley Leonard felt, man, I got to come back quick for Duke after the Notre Dame loss. Like, I have to, this is our season. Like, I have to save our season. We can look Riley Leonard in the eye and say, my man, you can sit down for the next three weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We we can win games. We We can win
2: games with these dudes. At quarterback, like rest up, and that is you know. So you could get a young man in the quarterback room that gets an opportunity, and next thing you know, it's like, wow. What about uh, Dion Cozy if he's healthy?
1: Man, I have to see it at some point, Sean. You know, like I'm just out. I'm just out of patience with Dion, man. I think he's very talented, but like
2: I just need to see it. You know what I'm saying? Like I just need to mm-hmm. see it. You know, could he be a Javon he, McKinley type? You know, you know, could be could Miles Boynton type. I mean,
1: he's ta- he's ta- he's talented enough to be that guy. It just yeah, yeah. You know, is he is he willing to put in all the work? I and mean, can he stay healthy? You know, like there's so many conversations yeah. there that I'm I'm hoping for. So yeah. yeah, I think three guys that I'm excited, I'm interested in. Mubarak Traore would probably be my pick overall. I hope that they let him unleashes a pass rusher a little bit at least in 2024 Uh, he's not gonna be a full-time starter more than likely but at least get some pass rush reps another one sean young safety a don schuller would be great if he steps up and becomes the heir of parents there that would be great other one i I mentioned this one the other day sean i have no idea this is going to happen but what about Sullivan Absher getting a shot at to start at guard, potentially Mm. at least a competition opportunity to play a guard. That would be not that far
2: fetched, though. Right.
1: It's not, it's not, Yeah. no, it's not. I would love them to look at Pat Coogan all due respect and be like, Pat, we like a lot of what you did last year, but we also need to to be better at that position. And if you're a part of that great, but you need to compete. You need to compete and try to be that guy. Right. So, you're competing with Sam Pendleton. You're competing with Sullivan Absher. You're competing with a bunch of different guys to be that guy. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens. So Sullivan oh. Absher would be a very interesting one. But, you what? That's, a, that's like a super dark horse one, though. So we'll see. We'll see. Sean, 2025 class. NH wants to know, what's your dream wide receiver class in 2025? A dream wide receiver. Let's say it's a four-man class. We'll say four-man.
2: Mm. Derek Meadows, Lex yep. Cyrus, Talon Taylor, Elijah Burris. Okay, I'll go with those okay. four. I'm cool with those four.
1: My four. And someone asked me on the board. And I someone asked me on the show, too, I think. My four, Sean. Talon Taylor, Derek Meadows, Dalen McCutcheon, and Lex Cyrus. That's mine. Woo! Baby, that's oh, some speed, right? Hey, there, I you mean, my brother, <laughs> hey, <really? laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine that them having a race, Sean? Who's who, here? Rank, rank it, ready? Derek Meadows, Lex Cyrus, Daylon McCutcheon, Taylor Taylor. All three, all four race at the same time. What's the order of the finish? It's
2: mm.
1: a good one, man. I know who comes in first, but otherwise, it's a. Let's close say one M- like,
2: McCutcheon. I don't know, man. It's
1: tough, right? Car- it's, it's, a good, I, I, it's a good conversation.
2: You know one thing I know for sure? Yeah. Carson Hobbs would say he can beat them all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he definitely would. Where he definitely Carson Hobbs
2: would, would say, wait till we get on the field. I, I could beat oh, all of them." But no.
1: That's so funny. Yeah.
2: Derek Meadows, such, his stride is so long. And he ran 4-5
1: flat at Notre Dame, man. So he can run. He can he run. He can run.
2: Yeah. Who would you have?
1: I, I think it would go Lex Cyrus one because he's a 10,400 meter guy. I would have Lex Cyrus number one. I think number two would be Taylor Taylor, but slightly. Like, I don't think that it's an easy one. Three mm-hmm. Derek Meadows, four Dalen McCutcheon would be my guess. That would be okay. mine. Because Dalen could run too, man. But like, yeah. Derek, like you said, Derek's got those long strides, man. Like, he might man. be able to stride it out at the end there. <laughs> like he might be able to stride it out. Ooh, that's some speed, though, man. Can you imagine? I mean, even if you just get two or three of those guys, you don't, need, you don't need all four. You don't need all four, but if you got all four, it's like dang. That's a of a <laughs> yeah, man, a lot of speed there. Whole lot of speed. Well, that's not even counting like, I and mean, even some of the guys Notre Dame has already. Sean, it's like some guys that can run, man. I got some dudes that can run. James Flanagan can run. Justin Thurman can run. Deuce Knight can run. <laughs> like these guys can flat out fly man mm-hmm. wild 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 I think 2025 ends up being a faster class than 2024 by the way faster mm-hmm. just faster not saying better mm-hmm. not saying better football players I'm saying just faster like it's a lot of a lot of speed coming to South Bend we had old Grimm, who says if the coaching staff stays together will they get everyone that they want no no one's ever gonna get everyone that they want no one bats a thousand right Sean like <laughs> They're going to get everyone they want, but you need to get, you need to have a good hit rate, obviously, but like, mm-hmm. no, no one, no one ever hits a thousand of no one ever bats a thousand, right? Like it's never going to happen. So, When the this one out real quick, Chris Ayers just said, does Logan Thomas really weigh 197 pounds? Chris, I'm, I'm, I, I would say just like hold off on that until the spring for the updated rosters, because sometimes those things are, they put weights that are initial weights, like when they first ever visit campus and such. So like, I'm not hundred percent sure about that one, but I would just wait to see on that one. Cause I look, he's, he's not a, he's not a filled out guy, obviously what looking at St. Edward this year, Sean, but he certainly looked a little bigger than 197 pounds to me on film. Like certainly a little bigger than that. So I I think that that's probably an old weight, but that's just my assumption there. Just my assumption. Mm-hmm. All right. We had, uh, I don't know what Tommy's saying here, Sean, but I'll bring it up in case you can decipher this. Uh, right guy and big Sean, what is your initial strategy for whatever end of the world scenario you think is most plausible? What the heck does that mean? <laughs> what the heck does that mean? I, I don't know. I, I joke, ju- Tommy, I joke around with you obviously, but like, I would genuinely like to answer this question. I have no idea what this is asking me. Do you know what he's saying? Uh, is he, he? Is he asking me? However, I think the world's going to end. A zombie apocalypse? Is that what he's asking me? I, I I'm so confused. What does that? Yeah, Tommy, I'm asking. What is that? Are you asking me how the world's going to end? Is that? Is that what he's asking? Honestly, me?
2: I don't. I don't think of, I don't think about the end of the world. I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I, I hope the world doesn't end while I'm a part of it. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of want my kids' kids to kind of uh, have to deal with this type of conversation. Like, right? I, I, I'm being honest. I really don't think about it that much. So,
1: Tommy, I need I need a little bit more, man. What do you do when the world is ending? Oh, okay, Sean, what, what am I going to do when the world's ending? Um, I don't know. Hug my family. I, What's this? I don't understand what this question I don't Tommy. I... I Tommy, I look you asked me about aliens one time. I answered your question about aliens because like I,
2: I... I... I'm moving on. I don't know. Like, Tommy's I don't know. like dude, I don't think about it. That's just the type of perk. I don't think about the end of the world. I don't
1: right?
2: my thoughts are right. too about leaving an inheritance for my kids. though that's my life that's what i push towards i don't i've rarely thought about what if an atomic bomb hits or what if this happens i i just don't give thought to it so i can't i can't give an honest answer because i've never really given critical thought to i
1: i have not either i've not either i've never even as i've never given any thought to like how the world might end sean i mean i would i would
2: would, would love i would love to um have the money to build a bunker i mean i'm just be being great. hypothetical yeah. about it
1: zombie apocalypse i'm going will smith and uh and what, what's the what's the movie with the dog in the zombie apocalypse is it i am legends is that what it is i am legend that sounds right right yeah yeah it's a good movie it's a good movie by the way it's a good movie um i don't know tommy uh, I, don't ever would, ask me a question again i don't know, know.
2: yeah I, yeah i would uh build a nice little bunker and uh, stock up, stock up on crustables. Strawberry, <laughs> by the way, uh, uh, strawberry, not grape. Yeah, Ryan and, and Carson, <laughs> they love the grape. It's grape good, man. You know, maybe some pop tarts because that's one of another hot topic on this show a lot of times, which pop tart. Um. <laughs> Oh, I love
1: a good Pop Tart. I haven't had a Pop Tart yeah. in years, but I love talking about Pop Tarts for some reason. <laughs> yes. I, don't, I don't know why. It's fantastic. All right, let's get through a few more of these. <laughs> we had Michael, Ryan, and Sean. Can you, and Tommy, awful question, man. Usually have some good ones. That was terrible. Ryan and Sean, can you both give me your thoughts on Lex Cyrus, a comp of possible? and where Notre Dame currently stands in the recruitment. Thanks, guys. No idea where they stand, Michael. I need to see him get on campus first before I have a really good understanding of how interested he is with Notre Dame because that will ultimately be the test. Thoughts on him, Sean? Dynamic, he's man. <laughs> it's fast. It's <laughs> really fast player. I would good. take him in a heartbeat if he wanted to go to Notre Dame, but I have no idea yeah. if he's interested in Notre Dame yet. Yeah. This one, another wide receiver question. David Jones says, I know everything is set for wide receiver from the portal, but was there any interest for Notre Dame in Ohio State elite wide receiver, Julian Fleming? I just Mm -hmm. want to pull this up real quick because, David, I have no idea if they did any. I'm sure they did a little bit of research on them, did did their due diligence there. But I am never going to call a wide receiver, Sean, that in four years had 79 catches for 963 yards and seven touchdowns and just had 270 yards receiving in 12 games for the Buckeyes in 2023. Never calling to call that guy elites is all I just want to say real quick. Never going to call that guy elites. So um, I'm very happy with how the portal at wide receiver ended up at Notre Dame. I, yeah. I remember, cause I don't know if you were on the show, Sean, someone asked about Julian Fleming when he entered the portal and my stance from the beginning was like, I'm good. Yeah. He's fine. Like I'm good, though. I think I'm he good.
2: was. I think he was overhyped coming out of high school, personally. But uh,
1: yeah, and the, the the production would back that up. It would it would uh would back that one up. Yes. Someone said how many wide receivers realistically take? I'm just going to knock through a couple of these that's, quick. That's, uh, that's ironic
2: that we just said that about Julian Fleming, and then Archer says, "All right, I got to go." time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to say anything negative that's about you. The irony, right?
2: Like you guys are talking bad about an Ohio State guy. That's,
1: yeah, funny. that's funny. No, I would say, like Archer, yeah, yeah, you too, yeah, absolutely, Archer. Safe flight three to four is probably the number there, though. Just for that question that came in the chat, we had John A1 well, with the super chat. Who are the top five returning quarterbacks in college football in 2024? Wow, all right, let me think off the top of my head. I'm trying to think
2: top five, that's tough. Have fun let with me. That
1: um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna look up a list, and then I'll give you guys my list off of this list. Quarterbacks, college football. Let's see. Let's see. We had now. Here's the list by Sports Illustrated that put a bunch coming back. Carson Beck is on the list. Sean Jackson Dart from Ole Miss. Quinn Ewers. Dylan Gabriel. Grayson McCall. Jalen Milrow is on here. Shador Sanders is on here. Mm-hmm. All right. Out of the players I'm seeing listed here, I would say in no particular order, Shador Sanders, Carson Beck. Man, do I have to do a top top five? John? I told I just, you. have fun can, I with that. Two? <laughs> can I stop at two? It's not a the best quarterback crop coming back next year. It's not the best. <laughs>
2: That's why I said I should, I, have fun. I mean, Riley Leonard would be in your top five, wouldn't
1: he? If he was healthy, if he was healthy the whole season, then yes, he would be in my top five. I, I now mean, on a wait and see basis with Riley a little bit, you know, just coming back from the injury. You're not gonna throw Miller Moss in there, buddy. Miller Moss looked great in the bowl game, man. Looked really good in the bowl game, but I mean, is Quinn Ewers a top five guy by default? Like, by default, I, I, I
2: I told I don't you want to do was this was about to be tough. I told you this was about to be tough.
1: Cameron Ward, maybe from Washington State, now going to Miami, maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Man,
1: I'm trying, John. I'll try to come up with a better answer. Put it on the board, like it. Look, I'm okay with the top two there. Again, I said Carson That's Beck from Georgia, Shador Sanders from Colorado, but like after that, man, I like, would
2: definitely put Fafita in my top five. I would.
1: Nope, no Fafita. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could convince me of it. As far I mean, as quarterbacks,
2: I would prefer to watch. I would definitely prefer to watch him play.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Dylan and Gabriel's been super. Dylan Gabriel's been super productive over the course of his career. So, like, is he in there by default? Like. John, I'll say the top two again, Carson Beck, Shador Sanders. After that, I will get back to you on that, man, because that's not a it's not a sexy list after that I'm one. Very I'm very interested.
2: I'm very interested in watching Nico yep. at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I mean Jackson Dart has has produced.
1: I like Jackson Dart actually. He's I produced. do like Jackson Dart. I thought he looked way better last year than this he did year before. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah, Jackson Dart. I can see him being in the top five. Uh, I don't. I mean, Jalen Milrow.
1: (laughs) No, not not yet on Jalen Milrow. Not yet on Milrow. Not yet. He could be, but I'm 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 gonna wait a little bit on Milrow. Just a little bit. I liked a lot of what I saw, but no. I really like Fafita if um if, if Jeff Fish had stayed at Arizona I'd be all mm. in on Noah Fafita I just want to see it a little bit but yeah I think if Riley Leonard is healthy I think Riley Leonard could potentially be in the top five but again absolutely. I mean we're projecting off of a absolutely off of an injury is a little tough Jackson Dart would probably be in my top five would probably be but yeah I'll get back to you John on a little bit more of a definitive list a little more definitive it's a great question, though. It's not a great year for quarterback in college football coming back. It doesn't seem so. We had Johnny S. Iowa is self-reporting inappropriate contact with the Bama offensive tackle. They went after Caden Proctor. Do you see more schools trying to get ahead of, of allegations by self-reporting? Um, more. I wouldn't say more. I mean, Johnny, it's not like the first time we've seen it. I would say it's probably going to be around the same. I, I some will be ahead of the curve a little bit, but. So many things fall through the cracks from the NCAA. I just I'm, – I'm not convinced that it's going to be like a trend, I guess. I don't know, but
2: anyway. – Yeah, did you – as a kid, did you ever tell your parents something truthful that you knew they weren't going to get mad about, but you knew it would give you cool points? And they would always think, oh, man, he always, they always tell me. It's, it's kind of like that. Like, you really yeah. don't – no one cares. Like, the infractions are not about to – Bring harsh penalties to Iowa, right? The penalty. The penalties only only came to light because Caden Proctor opened his mouth. Yeah, right, right, right. If Caden yeah, Proctor,
1: they, they self reported before the hammer came down because he literally, um, literally, literally, looked literally out of the bag.
2: <laughs> said, yeah, I had contact. It's like kid, but even the kids know it's a wild, wild west right now. They're like, dude, yeah.
1: Oh man, salty said DJ Uyengla. I completely forgot he's at Florida State now, man. Former were uh, Clemson and Oregon State quarterback. Well, yeah.
2: When when do we play uh, Florida State again? November. And I'm looking forward to that one. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> salty had a, salty had a comment here. Just said, Ryan, will there be? Will you host an IB happy hour for the IB Indy chapter during your visit? Hey man, joking aside there for a second, salty. If there's some people that live in Indianapolis, do we actually have a listener on the board, Sean? that I met out in Indianapolis last year. So I'm mm-hmm. not opposed to grabbing a drink with a couple people that are out there in Indy. So if people are out there, man, DM me, message me on the message board, whatever. Well, we can make it happen. We can make something happen. It's an interesting one. Nindy Milton fan. What are the main factors that make Chad Bowden most successful?
2: Relatability.
1: Relatability is a great one. Yeah,
2: that's a great one.
1: Yep. Yeah. I would say relentlessness as well. Mm -hmm. God just doesn't stop, man. Like he's, he's high effort. Okay. High effort there. Relatability thing is a great one. And I think that Chad understands how to relate to multiple people as well. As far as he can relate to the parents, he can relate to the kids and he's relentless. I think is, and he's very hardworking, very hardworking. And Sean, honestly, he's a little bit of a silly dude, which is not a negative, right? Like he- Say the least, Yes. He he does some things to appease the younger crowd, and it seems like he has
2: no shame over it, right? Like he just wants to, not afraid to embarrass himself or be the butt of the joke.
1: Yeah, he's got a he's got a really good sense of humor, and yes. I, I yeah, Brandon Pleasner just said the same thing in the chat, like sense of humor. Yep, yeah. he's got a really good sense of humor. He takes himself he takes his job seriously, but he doesn't take himself too seriously, if right. that makes sense. Which I think is perfect situation for him. Perfect. I think I
2: have a above average sense of humor.
1: Think so? I have a terrible sense of humor, man. I never laugh. Oh yeah, awful, awful, man. You can't joke with me. Absolutely not.
2: Yeah. I think I'm a mix of my mom and dad. My dad has a great sense of humor. My mom, on the other hand, it's like you can't crack a joke on her at all. Yeah. Run (laughs) immediately.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm dude. People that hang out with me,
2: like we just sit there and just stare. We, we don't say anything. No, because when I hung out with you that time, yeah, we were, in, we were there for the pro day. Yep. Oh, we laughed pretty much the entire. Sean, I am super serious all
1: the time, man. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ladies and
2: gentlemen, I don't know. This Ryan Roberts right here. When we kicked it at the pro day, we went to the bar and we were laughing. Yep. So Hey man, when we get out what, to indie man, was, what was that donut spot we went to? We go to a donut spot? I don't remember yeah, that. We remember, I remember the donut I remember, spot before we went back to the hotel? Did we? I think uh, you maybe. got like a you got like a caramel
1: because the donut you got oh really yeah 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 I can't remember if it was any good or not, but it must not been. No, back. you said <laughs> it was. You
2: said it was great. Did I say it was
1: great? That, man, yeah, I don't remember, remember that because we were supposed to go back the next
2: day, so I could get one. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't
1: make what, it. what was the spot we went to for lunch? What was, what was it? It was like? some
2: bar. I forget the name of
1: it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's pretty good though. Mm-hmm. I think I remember.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh!
1: All right. All <laughs> we got a couple. We got a couple more. <laughs> oh gosh, we got two more. I think. Um, Sean. Chris Ayers would like to ask us, who do Ryan and Sean think is the must-have get for 2025 recruiting? Question goes to chat as well. Sean, both sides of the ball, offensive and defensively, if you had to pick one player on each side of the ball, that is a must-get for you. A guy that you want Notre Dame to get in 2025, who would that be?
0: Defensively
1: for me. Sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. ahead. Offensively. Offensively, it would be... T- T- Talon Taylor, I believe, of the guys that are not committing in the class. Do you have anybody else on offense? I was
2: definitely going to have my Chicago bias come out on the offense side of the ball, so yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. There we go. Okay, so Talen, defensively, do you have a pick? Defensively, I yep. would probably at this point lean with, dude, any of the top two linebackers, like Marco, Devin Williams is, Probably one for me, too. Two two players.
1: I, I would probably end up picking Dallas Golden, the corner. The okay. safety play anywhere. The other one, though, that I would love Notre Dame to grab, like, yes. I, is I Mar- Marco Shanklin. Jones.
2: Yeah, Marco, Marco Jones. Jones. And Shanklin, yeah. you know what? I'm sorry. I just really Even believe Shanklin, at, at the end of the day, they're going to get Shanklin. That's just my belief. So I was kind of thinking good. outside of guys that. Yeah, Marco and you said Dallas. So
1: yeah. Mine would be Dallas Golden and then Taylor and Taylor on the offensive side of the ball. That would be too yeah.
2: so yeah.
1: Shanklin might be more important though to your uh, to uh strengthen your argument though, Sean, because yeah. I just mentioned that Viper is a spot that needs to get a little bit more productive moving forward, and he is mm-hmm. definitely a Viper, there's no yeah. doubt. Yeah. Last question, Jeff Fluke, hot take, unless any super chats come in late. Notre Dame versus LSU and South Bend for round one in the playoffs. Thoughts
2: blow out,
1: and you get a little more descriptive than that, my friends. You can't
2: just blow <laughs> <say it. laughs> beat their butts. I love it. Let's man. go, book it. Book it. You really, you really want LSU to come up here in the snow or the cold in December? Do they really want to come up here? That's a good point. Man, let's get it. That's let's go. it's a good point, man. Let's go. That's really funny. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. These dudes have snow cones on the field during summer camp, man. They're soft, dude. (laughs) Someone's gonna clip this, man. Someone's gonna clip this. I'm ready for that. You kidding me? Oh, that's hilarious. 18 degrees in December in South Bend. Man, please. I want to see the press conference because I want to hear the excuses from Brian Kelly. Because they're gonna be good (laughs) ones, you know. Our guys, you know. It's tough when you have to come up to weather like this and we're not used to it. I can just hear the excuses flowing. I can hear them already. That's really funny. That's yeah. hilarious. All
1: right, well, I think that's a good one to end it. I uh, yeah, I think home field advantage in the playoffs is going to be something that's gonna be very interesting for the playoffs moving forward for college football. And we'll sure talk about more a lot about a lot about that more in the future. But we want to thank everybody again so much for joining us today. Here on the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Before you leave, if you could hit that like button for us, we very much appreciate it. You get that, that notification bell and subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to us on any and all of your favorite podcast platforms, please review, subscribe, message board at com. That's Sean Davis. I am Ryan Roberts. Hope you all have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again very soon here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.